Ken, would you agree that the one thing we can all agree on is the curse of 51 is to blame here again? Well, Mark, sure, even up on the hill, we were all hoping he stuck that one over the bar. We weren't ah. ready to go home. You know, I turns and I says to Pudzer O'Toole, these poor afflicted fellas, it's like they're wallowing in it at this stage. They must be addicted to it. This is what gargle is to some fellas. <laughs> Losing is to them, lads. And I'm sure it's the first back-to-back for the dubs in 77, says Pudzer, when Hefo gave us back our pride. It is, says I, though with a sense of foreboding that he's raised the subject of Hefo. And now we can get fierce so awkward whenever the subject of Hefo comes up. Sure enough, I can see there's something agitating Pudzer, twitching and pulling faces like he's swallowed a wasp. Eventually, he can hold it in no longer. Your man, this poor old Mayo Bowler who missed, he says. What about him, says I. Hefo now, says Pudzer. Hefo would have told him, aim that for the far post. That way, <laughs> the curl will bring it in. That he would, says I. Bloody right. Bloody right, says he. Whatever you do, don't miss on the near side. Hefo would have drummed that into him. Hefo took a poor view of any man that would miss on the near side, says he. He wouldn't give the fluff off his bum for a man that would miss on the near side. I was walking along and I knew he needed no encouragement. A man could miss on the far side as much as he likes, said Putzer. But anyone who dared to miss on the near side was hiding a bag of bricks and thrown into Spencer Dock. That was Hefo's way, says he. Putzer was like a dog with a bone. So I definitely moved to change the subject. I said, and aren't these Dublin lads great, but they've still a way to go to match up to the men of 23, says I. 23, says Puzzer. 1923, the 1923 Pete, says I. Now, those were some men, some characters. Where are they now, says Puzzer. And he's forgotten all about the near side and the far side. They were, says I. For instance, one of the best players at that time was Eddie the Dandy O'Dwyer, so-called because of his handsome looks and his fine clothes. The Dandy was a beautifully made man, and to see him kicking points from all angles was a splendid sight. Well, the dandy worked in Henry White's clothes factory above on Drury Street. That's why he was always so course, dapper, yeah, yeah. you see. But one day his hand got caught in one of the big machines, and when he pulled it out, there was only a few tatters and giblets left. Pitiful sight. Well, he fell into a black mood and bundled up the giblets in a flannel and took the cowboat to England, and we all thought he'd never be back. But then he turns up at the start of the next championship, and in the place where the hand used to be, he's got a hook. Of course, there was hemming and on from the county board how he is going to catch balls and kick points with only one good hand, but he looked back at them with a fierce, determined look in his eye. This man had given so much to Dublin football, there was no question of leaving him out. So in he went at cornerback. But God, if the dandy didn't become one of the most respected hardshaws in the game. Many's the time it'd be looking dicey for the dubs. The dandy would rush in there. Before you know it, the Malay would clear. You'd see a mead man or a Cayman line there opened up from gullet to gizzard, guts spilling out everywhere. The dandy walking away, wiping the hook on his knickerbockers. <laughs> so there was no TV cameras in them days, and the game wasn't, you know, there was none of this Joe Brody saying, you can't do this, you can't do that. You understood it was a contact sport. No quarter. With 120,000 on the hill, the end of them, they dragged the man off, call a free ball, that'd be the end of it. There's always a bit of grouse from the other team calling him a gurrier and evil Eddie and the Summerhill Ripper and all sorts, but he la- just tapped the All-Ireland medals on his chest with the hook and they'd back off. Later, of course, he went off with O'Duffy to Spain. He never came back. But on the hill, we never forgot the dandy. But by then, we were nearly at a certain place, you know and I know, and we stopped to wet the whistle. The porter probably tasted this good back in 23, 23, 77, 16. It's always a golden year for the dubs. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best of all. I think it might be Ken. The dandy, how come we haven't heard of the dandy before? <clears throat> Obviously played a key role in your upbringing. Just the, you know, the dark, the darkness of the way things went, you know, becoming, you know, so big in the blue shirts, mm. going, off to, going off to fight against, Fra- uh, not against Franco, for Franco. 
you know, and it sort of cast a bit of a pall over the later years.